Hello there, and welcome to 633. My name is Sharon McComb, and I'm a certified life coach. Together with my co-host, faith coach Kimberly Bellrose, we share the goal to spur the believer in you to wake up and believe for more, because there's always more. Our Monday episodes, Coaching Works, challenges listeners to gain an awareness of this profession and how it can help anyone with anything. You you can even experience coaching firsthand when it naturally happens between us, as iron sharpens iron. By sharing in our experiences and revelations and breakthroughs, you will encounter why we both testify that in everyday life, coaching works. Every week, join Kimberly for Wake Up Wednesday. She shares her years of experience, visions, wind words, and testimonies of how the Lord has both led and carried her through her life. With her coaching style that provokes and encourages your believer to invite God to investigate your life, you can begin to believe for more. But today is Checkmate Friday, where we discuss the many ways that we get stuck in life, like we're in Checkmate. I give you my insight my tips and my tools from my training and experience to help you affect change in your lives. I have 25 years of being taught by Holy Spirit to trust, believe, and submit. My passion is to empower others to seek out and live in the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. So today, we're going to talk about why change is so hard. Have you ever made a New Year's resolution? I'm sure you have. I think everybody has. I know I have. How long did that last for you? Because to be honest, I don't have a good track record when it comes to resolutions. I start out strong. You know, my motivation is high. It's a new year, a new me. And I want to make it happen. But it's not very long before it peters out and I lose my resolve. Why is that? Why do people have such a hard time sticking to a decision to change? It's because change is hard. One of the reasons change is hard is because it goes against our ego. And if you don't understand what ego is, it's our self. You know, the word selfish, that's the part of self we're talking about. It's the part that wants to um, serve ourselves instead of serving God. It's our want to. And if our want to isn't motivated, then change is going to be very difficult for us. Just recently, um, I took up, well, I was strongly encouraged to take up uh, more exercise in our life. And so I decided, since I left the country and hadn't really done much walking like I used to, that walking would be a good solution for me. And so I started to go out every day and walk the dog. And I did really well for a while. Um, And we would go out every day and we would walk. And I was doing pretty good. And then one day it was pouring rain when I was supposed to go out for my walk. And so... I'm standing at the window and I'm looking out and I have to be honest, my want to did not want to. And so I gave myself a pass. And I said to myself, 
we'll go tomorrow. And without really being conscious of it, I had started down the slippery slope to getting out of this change. Every time I gave myself a pass, it was easier to give myself a pass. And you know what I'm talking about because you do it too. I'm positive you do. The next time it happened, I had worked longer than I should have. I ran into my walking time. And so I made a deal with myself. I'll just walk half the time today and I'll make sure I don't do it again tomorrow. And so this kept happening. And eventually, I gave myself so many passes that I wasn't walking every day. In fact, I wasn't even walking every other day. So what happened to me? Why did that happen to me? I'm, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't make myself stick to the change. And I'm a, a coach. I'm a change expert. So what happened? But one of the things that I know is that had I decided instead of taking up walking for exercise, I had decided to go to a gym instead and sign up with a fitness trainer that I think I, you know, it would have been a little different. Because when you think about a fitness trainer, what's their job? What's their job in that situation? Their job is to sit me down and go over my fitness goals with me and set goals. And then we would make out a plan for me to work towards those goals. And then when I'm busy working on that plan, my fitness trainer is right there beside me. And they're encouraging me and they're supporting me and they're motivating me. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. And they hold me accountable, both to show up for my appointments at the gym and also to do the work involved consistently to get to the goals that I had set for myself. And truth be told, if I had chosen the gym path rather than the walking path, I would probably still be on a regular exercise routine. Hmm, note to self, maybe I should do that. But we have to understand coaches do the same job. We are the fitness trainers for your everyday life. Our role is to sit you down and figure out what your life goals are. And then make a, a plan of how you're going to get there. A roadmap of what you're going to do to reach that goal. And then along the way as you're working on it, we encourage you and we support you and we keep you motivated. And we hold you accountable to show up at our sessions, to do the work. And then we celebrate when you succeed. I'm not going to lie to you. Having a coach work through change with you doesn't make it easier. And it doesn't even make it less work. It's a little bit like mountain climbing. You can climb a mountain by yourself. I don't recommend it. But you could. But it's far better to take, a la- take along a mountain climbing guide. Now that guy's not going to make mountain climbing any easier. And he's not going to make it less work. But what he is going to do is he is going to ensure that you actually make it to the top of the mountain. He's going to make sure that you succeed in reaching your goal. This is one of the benefits of having somebody alongside you 
when you're trying to affect change in your life. When we do it alone, and a lot of people, this is something that a lot of people struggle with because a lot of people want to change. They just don't. And it's because their want to is too strong. And so we need somebody on our side to hold us accountable to keep going when our want to gets in our way. Want to, or our ego, is really strong. And it it sets us back from change. And it stops us. And it it makes change really hard. So this is an emotional reason why we find change really difficult. But there's a lot of other reasons why we find change really difficult. So let's take a minute and let's do a little bit of science. Now, I don't want you to shut down my podcast because I said the word science. Sometimes science can be dull and dry and boring. And I'll try not to do that. But I want to talk a little bit about your brain. In particular, two parts of our brain. We're going to talk about our prefrontal cortex. And we're going to talk about our basal ganglia. So when we are faced, as we are many, many times a day, with choices, decisions. Our prefrontal cortex is the part of the brain that we engage to do that. And while we're busy making many, many decisions every day, that part of our brain is working along. But there's lots of times throughout our day when what we are doing is an automatic response. We just do it. It's part of our routine. It's a habit. And when we slip into automatic routine, the prefrontal cortex kind of abdicates responsibility to the basal ganglia because the basal ganglia is the part of our brain where automatic behavior comes from. It's also the part of our brain that works with emotions and memories and pattern recognition. And so... No decision-making is actually going on when we're doing something from a routine or from a habit. And so we engage different parts of our brain. Sometimes doing things automatically without thinking about it serves us well. And sometimes it doesn't. So there's a term called a habit loop. And I'm sure you may have heard about it. I heard about it a long time ago. Um, it didn't really affect me much. I didn't really think too much of it except to think it was interesting. But then when I was studying to become a coach, and, and this is something that I worked on with my own coach, is to learn how the habit loop works. And understanding how the parts of our brain are responsible for different things helps us to understand then how the habit loop functions and how to break the habit loop. So a habit loop is made up of three parts. The first is the trigger or the cue. I like to say trigger. The second is the routine or the behavior. And that's what we usually think about when we think about a habit. It's the things that we do. But the third is the reward that we get for doing it that way. And so we do this loop around and around and around. And It's when the same situation or the same feeling or the same thought patterns happen and we respond the same way every time that this habit loop forms. 
And we respond the same way every time because something in the outcome of the response, it works for us. It does something for us. And that's why we train our brain to go on autopilot because it works for us. So the part of this habit loop that I want to talk about today is the trigger because I believe that the trigger is the most important part. It's the the crucial part to changing our behavior. Now, some people think that it's the reward that's the most important part, and I can see that, but I disagree. Because I think that our thoughts control our behavior, I feel that it has to start with the trigger. Now, your trigger tells your brain when to go into automatic mode. And once the automatic mode is started, the behavior just kind of unfolds from there. It's kind of out of our control. We don't really have to pay much attention to it. And what we have to understand about the trigger is that sometimes the trigger has absolutely nothing to do with the current situation that you're facing. It's connected to past events, past traumas, or experiences, or hurts. Um, and we don't even have to be aware that those those things have happened and have caused us to have a trigger. And that's one of the things that makes tackling problems pretty difficult. Because these habits that are formed from past hurts or past bad experiences or fear in the past or rejection or um, wrong beliefs that we've held on to for a long time, those are in our, our subconscious mind. And they work along in the background of our lives. And we don't notice because it's such a habit. And it interferes drastically with our ability to make more concrete, more physical, more obvious changes in our lives. Like I said before, a lot of people want to change. They just fail to change. And they run up against these hidden habits that shut down their motivation and steal their resolve. Because the hidden habit is something that they're not even aware of. And so lots of times they don't even know what tripped them up. But hidden habits can shut you down. And, and you're left not knowing what happened. So you don't really know where to go from there. And that, it's disappointing and it's discouraging. And it makes us not want to take on change. Now coaches expect these hidden habits to show up. They watch for the signs of them. Um, and we can work with you with those hidden habits. When they come up, you know, we can often point them out to you. And then we walk through that. Sometimes you just have to go around the hidden habit. But what I have found in my experience of coaching is that when we do uncover a hidden habit and we look at the root of that habit that caused the trigger in the first place and we start to change our thinking about that. We change the hidden habit. And, and what people discover is that hidden habit didn't just stop them in the change they were working on. It stops them in a lot of areas of their lives. And so you get freedom 
from that, um, that trigger in many areas. Even the ones you're not, you know, obviously or consciously working on. So another way that um, causes people to have uh, a hard time with change. And, and when I was getting ready for this podcast, I asked some people, you know, what, what makes change hard for you? And most of them out of the, I said, give me three things. And most of them on their list included fear. And a lot of people are afraid to change. And it's not just because change, they don't want change. And it's not just because change is difficult because they have to change the way they think and the way they behave. It's also because of fear. And and the fear is weird because you can understand that people would be afraid of failing to make the change. Fear of failure is a strong emotion. But just as many are afraid to succeed in making their change. What if they make the change and they don't like it? What if they make the change and everything is different? How do they live in that change? How do their relationships react to that change? How do I do it? What if it doesn't work? I mean, there's, there's all these fears that come with actually succeeding to make your change. It's the fear of the unknown. It's uncertainty. And even if something is not going well for you in your life, if you're not happy with something in your life, familiar is comfort. So what happens if change is forced upon us? So far we've been talking about the kinds of change that we choose to make, you know, um, that we want to have in our life. But that's not the only kind of change that we're ever faced with. And all change is difficult. All change brings fear of the unknown. So what if it's something that's not within our control, that we didn't want? Like say you lost your job. Or you were forced to move. Or you had a health scare and you've been told you know, to go on a special diet. Or stop doing these things. Or start doing these other things. What if it's not even that traumatic? What if it's a choice you made, like getting married? Getting married is a good choice. And it was one that you choose. But changing your lifestyle to accommodate living with other people with another person can sometimes bring on choices that we're forced to make. And it's also fearful. And it it runs up against all, you know, all the habits and, and the want-tos. So what happens then? Fear, fear can paralyze us. And it keeps us stuck so that we don't change. And then our lives are, get stagnant. Because change is a part of life. And learning how to change well and effectively gives us a more fulfilled, a more interesting, and a more satisfying life. As a coach, I tackle this fear by helping people focus on faith instead of fear. We talk a lot about how, you know, we can plan for that. You know, we look at the possible outcomes of the change. What might happen if you do this? And if those things happen, what can you do about it? 
so that you're prepared, that you have a plan. You know, you have a worst case scenario contingency plan. And that takes the pressure off you when you're trying to, to get through change and you have fear. Knowing you know, all the possible outcomes, how you're going to handle it, and if you can't handle it, you have somebody to help you. Then you're free to focus on the work of actually making the change. The work of actually rerouting you know, your automatic responses. The work of kind of putting that ego under your foot and saying, nope, we're going to do it this way. We can over- overcome the difficulties of change. It's possible. People change all the time. But it's hard to do alone. The Bible in Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 12, tell us that two are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You and me and God. A triple braided cord. And we can stand against fear of change. And we can work together to create new automatic habits in your life. And we can turn your not sure I want to's into I'm confident that I can. If you're feeling stuck, like you're in checkmate in some area of your life, or if you just want more of God in your life, We are willing to stand with you. You can reach us by going to my website at www.wildflowerwomen.ca or to Kimberly's website, 633-wakeup.com. Shoot us an email. Ask us your questions. We are here for you. Until next time, be blessed and be a blessing.